Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 19 of the DC Night Kingdom podcast. I'm your host, James Graham. As you'll see alongside me on that side, I nearly got it right. Nearly. And I think right, that's because, left. You know, yeah. it's, always, it's always difficult in the screens. <laughs> it really is. Um, I never know which side I'm pointing on. I think it's because I forgot to flip reverse my uh, camera before going live. So when we come back after the sponsor message, I'll have it the right way around. Thanks, James. Yes, Henry here from the MLS UK show. And Major League Soccer is well and truly back. We're in full flow. Although, if you're an Atlanta fan like me, or of course a DC United fan, you probably wish we were still suspended. On the latest episode of the MLS UK show, we talk about what's been happening in MLS. And also, we look forward to a potential signing for Inter Miami, Gonzalo Higuain. Can he have the same impact as what Wayne Rooney had with DC United? Hopefully, it'll last a bit longer than 18 months. Uh, we're also looking ahead to playoffs, especially now that the East has got two more places. And again, as an Atlanta fan and to DC United, thank you. That helps us a lot. Uh, so uh, make sure you subscribe. Check us out on your podcast provider. And also you can watch each episode on YouTube. Just search MLS UK show and you can catch up with every episode of this season over there. Thanks, James. Back to you. Well, we are back. So thank you to Henry for giving us that little clip there. Go and head over to the guys over at MLS UK show and uh, go and see their videos over on YouTube because they're absolutely brilliant. It's like listening to a couple of guys down at the pub, I want to say, because they, they are awesome. But as you can see, I've got it correct now. <laughs> I finally flipped reverse my camera. I look as I am in person now, not the mirror image of me anymore. Um, I've got Donald with me. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, James? I'm doing very well. I've got a little bit of a croaky voice, though. I I've mean, got... that, that happens. It happens. When you do podcasts and stuff like that, I get it. Like, I, I do a couple of podcasts. Sometimes you just, your voice just doesn't want to do it, but we pipe through it. We go through it. We get, we get through it all. Exactly. And, and I think sometimes having a little bit of a croaky voice makes it sound a little bit sexier. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I, I won't sing because if my wife hears this, she will say I'm tone deaf, so she will be shouting at, <laughs> shouting at the podcast right now. Go, don't sing, don't sing. So I, I hear the words "a happy wife, happy life." Exactly. Yes. So yeah. Yes. Right. So, as you've seen in the intro, this is all about a look back at the phase one return of MLS, which has been six games. We've got another three coming up, but we will talk about that very, very soon. But just a little rundown of what we've seen so far. So we've. Like I just said, we played six times. We've only won the once, um, which was against the Red Bulls, so that was decent. Or should I say the Metro Stars? Um, we have unfortunately been beaten three times, and we've tied twice. Um, so five points from a possible six, uh, 18, Donald. What have you made of the first six games so far? It's been frustrating. Uh, I'm sure most fans will agree with that. It's been a struggle. Uh, it really... It, there's a thing about playing uninspired soccer or just playing soccer that people would consider, you know, dreary or, or boring or just not sexy whatsoever. Right. Yeah. But if you win, no one cares about that <laughs> right now. We're not winning. We're not getting results from this. So that's why the frustration is kind of mounting a little bit. And, and on top of that, when you, you have one game where you don't have a single shot anywhere on goal, away from goal, kicking the ball into the stands, anything, uh, that adds to the frustration in really just the creativity that we were expecting to see this season, you know, get it. It's 2020. We've had 
you know, the worst year ever when it comes to just sports and, and life and how this works. But yep. you know, you still want to see a team that is improving week after week. And right now we're just not seeing that. At least I'm not seeing that. It's, it's, so that's the frustrating part is, you know, we've had some injuries, but we've also had some, we've had some nice bright spots in the young guys, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, but some of the guys just, it doesn't seem like they've gotten better and it doesn't seem like they have clicked together. And that adds to just everything that people are feeling where it's just like, you know, the season kind of feel, we don't want the season to be a watch, but it, they're playing like it is. Yeah. It's, it's a bit bizarre because as you rightly said, it's 2020. This has just been an absolute bizarre year. And we've had three pre-seasons. We've had these major injuries, one at the start, one in this before the second half of the uh, phase one. And actually, we had another pretty major injury with Flores as well. So it's, it's tricky to get a consistent side out. And I know earlier today, Ben said in his press conference that uh, we've not been able to use Gressel in his best position yet. So, and to be honest, I wasn't hugely impressed with his performances at the tournament. But since, I think he's improved massively and he's been wicked with his crosses, great from the set piece. I think we are starting to see the best of Julian Gressel coming out now. But let's run through these games quickly, these last three, because on the last show with John from RFK Refugees, a little shout out to you guys. I went through the first three games. So these next three that we had. So the first one against the Red Bulls, where we won 1-0 somehow in the 98th minute with an Eric Solga special. I'm just going to say this for those guys who are part of the DC UK group. I called it. Didn't I? <laughs> I absolutely called that. So unfortunately I didn't call any of the other games correct, but I called that one. So I'm happy with that. Um, just little things that I've had on my uh, little notes for the show. Um, Chris Hyde's got his first clean sheet for the club. Fantastic. Um, Fred Brion returned to the starting lineup. However, Felipe did tear his ACL before the game. And that was a bit strange because I remember seeing Goff um, tweeting out the injury list and Felipe wasn't on it. And I'd mm -hmm. seen posts on Instagram uh, from his teammates saying, get well soon, you'll recover in no time, things like that. I was just like, what's going on? And then, yeah, it was announced that he had torn his ACL and his... I think it's a nine-month layoff for him. It'd be, it's usually six to nine months. I mean, we kind of see from uh, Paul Ariolo. I know we'll talk about his, his progression, but yep. he's progressed a little bit faster than most people would have. And he's at, I mean, but he's still at right around that six or seven-month range. So yep. uh, for all intents and purposes, Felipe, we, we are without Felipe until, you know, some point in the middle of next season. Yeah. And fingers crossed he does recover well and recover quickly like Paul seems to be doing now. So, yes. Um, but replacement, Mohamed Abu made his first start. What did you make of him? I thought he was fine. I mean, the, the, bringing him in, you know, we brought him in to do this, right? To be that depth, to, to have cover in case someone went down. And I thought he handled himself pretty well, especially against the midfield of the Red Bulls. I, I think when it comes to this game, just in general, like, mm. you know, you just look at this game and I'm like, okay, the first 94 minutes, <laughs> don't worry about it. If you haven't seen it, don't worry. Just fast forward to 94 and then just go from there. Because at that point, really, 
you saw the aggression and you saw the, the pressing that you wanted to see from our team the entire game. They went after it. They said, hey, we have a chance to steal three points on the road. Let's go do it. We have, you know, four or five minutes to do it. Go out and get it. And yep. they played freer. Abu was playing. You know, at, at this point, all these guys that are on the field are playing a little bit freer. And Sorga, I mean, his shot wasn't – it wasn't like he, it was a set-up shot off, off of a, you know, a set piece. Mm. He just took it and said, cool, let me rip it. Let me see what happens. And yep. it went in. I mean, that's the sort of thing that you want to see sometimes. Obviously, you want to see more structure throughout the game. But when it comes to – sometimes you just got to just, you know, fire jello at the wall and see if it sticks. It's that one moment of magic. Oh, my voice went a little bit funny there. there uh, what, <laughs> one moment of magic that is what this game needed. And Saga, with that nice little nod down, set himself up nicely. Mm-hmm. And as you already said, just had a, had a go. That's, that's what we need at the moment, is the willingness to just have a shot. And that leads me into the second game against New York City FC, where we recorded... For the second time in MLS history, we weren't the first ones, but the second time ever, no shots on goal. No shots, period. Yep. Like I said, if, the, literally, if literally none. someone had kicked one from midfield, it, that didn't even happen. Oh, I was expecting no Chris Sides to have a go from way back. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? He, you know, we've had, so we've had this before, right? You know, a few years back. We had the one shot, one kill game where Chris yep. Love had the only shot of the game and, 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 it, and we won. And then the very next week, it was, you know, or I think it was two weeks later after that game, was the game against RSL where it was 5 1 at halftime and we won 6 4. And it was just like <laughs> everyone was shooting from. I mean, if you, if you were in the stands, you were taking shots at that game. Yep. So we've had the various extremes of this, right? And this game where it was just like, you know, if this was a game that was where fans were in the stands, this was the first game back at Audi Field since the restart. If that was a game where fans were in the stands, every fan would have been entitled to their money back. I feel like I'm owed a couple of sets of eyeballs from just even <laughs> looking at that game. Like it, that game was atrocious, but we somehow got a result because NYCFC decided to be equally as bad as us on that night. It was it was bizarre because this was the game that I was away for so I was on holiday so I was um, downstairs trying to stream off of either my iPod or on my phone or on my laptop on Wi-Fi which just didn't exist and it was it was it was tough to watch even just from the quality of the resolution point of view so I was I didn't miss too much I think especially on the shooting front but how do I pronounce is it Gelman or is it Helmand Rivas he made his uh, debut. Yeah. He made his debut, and to be honest, he didn't look too bad in the, on his debut. Yeah, he didn't look too bad in there. I, I thought he looked, you know, better against uh, Red Bull this uh, this past game, this past weekend, uh, where you could see kind of the flashes of like, oh, this is what we're signing him to be. Uh, but I think when it comes to that game, or just the NYC game, it just seemed like nobody knew where everyone was. They weren't playing together. And it, because of that, it, and the thing about soccer is that, and I know you know this, you can see that immediately. You can see when guys just don't show up clicking. Uh, it, it's very evident in the field, and it was no more apparent than it was uh, against NYCFC because those guys didn't – it looked like, you know, it looked like Ben went into the stands and picked out 11 cutouts and said, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, <laughs> nine, 10, 11, you guys are playing today. And their guys 
like we're just like oh cool nice to meet you because that's how they played but you know this is a team that clearly you know we've had these guys for quite a while so it's surprising that this late in the season that we're playing uh like we would be playing in probably preseason yeah um and we just had a comment on the youtube chat so thank you for to kim for giving us a comment and if anyone else is out there watching now give us your thoughts whilst we're going through this and we'll we'll talk about them as well so kim I said, um, tactics in, in both games are necessary to right the ship after the tournament in Orlando and the debacle in Philadelphia. Ugly, but brought back discipline. Fair, po- fair points. I mean, there were back-to-back clean sheets as well. And after, the, what was it, 5-1 drubbing we had? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, when you look at it from that point of view, granted, we did need to stop conceding goals, but at the end of the day, if you don't take a shot, you can't win the game. Right. We can't rely on own goals. I know own goals start <laughs> a few years back, uh, yeah. but we can't rely on him to show up every week. Uh, we need to be able to be aggressive and go out and get the goals. But on defense, I will, I will always say, you know, the defense held up great during those two games. Yep. Uh, you know, is not. I don't feel like they were taking a barrage of shots and just like, you know, Chris sites sitting on, you know, standing on his head or anything, but yeah. they made the plays that they needed to, to get the ball out and make sure that the ball didn't go into the back of the net. That is something that you would think would fuel the offense. And it's just clear that the defense and the offense aren't sinking well together because otherwise we probably would have had better outputs on the offensive end than we did. Yeah. Um, Kim also says, yo, what's up, Donald? <laughs> what up, Kim? <laughs> um, but going on, on that, um, after the Red Bull game, there was another, as you know, they do the uh, pre-match and the post-match press conferences. And I think it was the pre-match one to the second Red Bull game. I think it was Yamil Assad was coming out and saying, he's not enjoying playing this way. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was a bit brave to come out and say something like that. And it kind of, and I think, oh, I can't remember who else was on that press conference. Um, it was another one of the forwards. Was it forward? Actually, no. It was Chris Adoyat, Sam. Mm-hmm. And he was saying the same as well. That speaks volumes to me, that the fact that the players are coming out and saying, we ain't enjoying this way of football. Yeah, and I, you would expect the coaching staff and, and the front office to listen because these guys, when we got them, we got them because of the creativity that they could provide. We got them because of the way they can open the field up and play it a, you know, more uh, attacking style that's you know quote unquote sexy um, in a style of play that would make fans endear themselves to these players and endear themselves to this team and they're not playing that way and there's a there's a breakdown between what these guys want to do and how they want to play with each other and how the coaching staff is setting them up or putting them or the tactics that are being used or whatever those things aren't lining up and you know Gressel was a good point. Like you said, the last few games, he's played great because he's yeah. felt more comfortable. And the first few games, he did not feel comfortable. It didn't look comfortable at all. And now he's starting to feel more comfortable. But again, he's serving stuff into the box and no one's there to hit it. And he's used to having, you know, Joseph Martinez, like, yeah. nail home. We don't have Joseph Martinez. And that's okay. But we have guys that can duplicate that. And, you know, if a ball is served on the platter the way he's doing it, be able to, you know, fire them home. And we're just not – taking care of business so talking about sexy football we had red bull the reverse fixture so we had rebels at home mm-hmm. and unfortunately they got the revenge it was a 2-0 defeat however i felt like 
we've played a lot better than we had done for such a long time. And I, I would want to put that down to having two up top. And I felt like that was such a, a pleasant change. It was, I just loved it. So Helman Rivas made his first DCU start after coming on in the last game. Um, Paredes made his seventh consecutive start for the club as a 17-year-old. That's insane. And what else did we had? We had all the possession. I think we had 63% possession, mm-hmm. which is compared to all season, really. I think it's the most amount of possession we've had. We've never we're we're never a team that really wins possession like that, no. and, or just has possession like that. And that so that was that was really nice to see. And on on Paredes, like the kid is confident as hell. I love the way he plays because he goes out. He he kind of he kind of just doesn't he hasn't seen a bad game yet because he goes out and attacks the way that you would think a seventeen year old would want to attack the game. Yeah. And I think, you know, when it comes to, like, Griffin Yao, when he gets his spots, and Moses Yami, when he gets his spots, they're doing the same thing, too. So I like what I'm seeing from the young kids because they are coming out with an aggression that says, hey, I want to go make something happen. And if enough guys on the team want to make something happen, something will happen. Yeah. And so going forwards, would you, and looking into the next three games, would you continue playing the youngsters? Absolutely. I mean, especially now, you know, we're going to talk about this next phase. This next phase is really just a week. I mean, starting this Saturday, we have three games in eight days. Yeah. Uh, So if you're going to be playing, we need to be rotating a bunch of guys. You know, guys are already tired. Uh, You know, the conditioning is just not there because of just how loosey-goosey the season has been and just how many twists and turns and days that we can't practice or, or whatever, right? But at the same time, the, the constant is the youngsters are going to be able to recover quicker. The youngsters are going to be able to play longer. The youngsters are going to be able to play with more aggression and more it, just that aggression that comes with being that young. So I would give them a chance, see what they can do. Toronto, Nashville, and New England, those are three games. I mean, Toronto's, they all been playing pretty well, but those aren't all, none of those are lose or games that we're going to lose. Like those are all winnable games if we go out and go for it. So I think by playing these young kids, I think they could go out and, and we can get a three game stretch. We say, here's how they handle the adversity of playing games in such a short period of time with a lot of pressure on them. Uh, I, I think I want to see that happen because I think to this point, they've shown me that they deserve that opportunity. Yeah. Going back to that Red Bulls game uh, for a brief moment. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, Rivas with his half volley. Oh, was it a full volley actually? Oh, what an attempt. And what, and you've got to give props to Ryan. Is it Ryan Mara? Mira. Yeah. Yeah. What a save. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, that is the frustration you sit. Like you get that flash, you're like, yes. And then I feel like it was like maybe five minutes later, the other end, we're like, what are we doing? Like, what is yeah. like, it's just not consistent enough over 90 minutes. So it gives you frustrated. But that right there is like, yeah, do more of that. Do more of that, Revis. Like I, I really liked, he, I mean, he didn't play, he played like what, 65 minutes or something like that. But, you know, I, I liked what I saw from him in this game because yeah. again, he was pressing the issue, he was trying to make things happen. I think him and Kamara up top works really well together as well because I think a lot of the time with Kamara, he is a player who likes to drift out wide and move into the channels and really pick up the ball out wide and then make his runs inside. Rivas, what a target, man. I th- I, the amount of times I saw the ball pumped up long to him and he was winning headers, great first touch. And we look at, uh, I think it was the... 
one v one situation just before Rios's uh, volley. Mm-hmm. It was part of that build-up play to set up Julian Gressel. And what can you say about that effort apart from why did he use the outside of his foot? <laughs> why didn't he just blast it into the bottom corner like any sane footballer would do? I mean, that's the thing. Is sometimes <laughs> you just try try new stuff and see if it works. It didn't work that time. But again, I you know, that link up, that build up right there between those guys, you know, I want to see more of how that works. I want to yeah. see how that progresses because we again we saw I keep going back to flashes. We saw flashes of that in this game. It just didn't work out on that particular play, it didn't work out on the following corner. Yeah. But you're like, okay, if these guys are gonna be aggressive like that, then we need to put these guys in position where that aggression can turn into goals. And and same with, you know, Kamara, you know, it's funny that he, he trends to come out wide because before he would poach a lot of goals when he was with the LA galaxy, yeah. with the crew, he would poach a lot of goals. And that's kind of what we brought him in to do is kind of like, Oh, the ball's just going to be banging around the box from all these other guys. And he can just step on it and kick it in, but he's trying to, you know, kind of go out and be one of those guys that comes in from the outside as well. So if Rebus is going to be that target man, hopefully he can also be the poacher that we haven't had yet this season. Yeah. And do you think, the reason why Kamara's going out wide then is because he's not actually getting that service into him. Because mm-hmm. it seems like we are, we have been struggling all season on the wings. I mean, we've had Segura out where, obviously because Paul Ariola's been out injured. Um, would this season be different if Ariola was fit? Absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't have to worry about that side of the field at all. Like, if you, if you think about it, you know, I feel like every guy in the in the attacking half of our lineup has played every position and has not played the same position twice in a row. Like yeah. that, and that's got to be frustrating to them. Where you know, Gressel's like, okay, one day I'm serving it to Segura, one day I'm serving it to Kamara, one day I'm serving it to Rivas. Now Flores back to Gura. Like the the it's like a carousel, and you don't know what which horse you're grabbing when you get on every single game. So this is as we settle down. And then, you know, that has to do with injuries. There's a lot of people who are out. I mean, we haven't had Russell Canales in a few weeks. You know, yeah. Felipe's lost. Like, those type of players that are usually solidly in the lineup and we don't have to worry about those positions, now we have to, you know, cycle people in and out of those positions, and that can't help uh, with consistency. So, as hopefully some of these guys come back, hopefully Canales is coming back soon, hopefully Birnbaum will be playing this weekend. Yeah, hopefully we get Hamid back. I know he wasn't injured, but, you know, yeah. he's been out for the last four or five matches. So hopefully we get some of these guys back. And that way, you know, because when those guys are on the field, it may not be necessarily the, the position is locked down, but there's a confidence where like, hey, I know if I something happens here, this guy's got my back and this guy knows how to handle it. That's what we haven't had this season because of the, you know, rotating, you know, yeah. musical chairs that we have on every position so far. So. If we had a fully fit roster, I'm, I was just thinking, as you were just talking about that there, how are we going to fit all of our midfielders in? Because I'm thinking, the way we played with two up top, I want to see Ben continue with doing that because that it really meant that we had a good offense. Three at the back seems to be working okay at the moment, even with Mora at centre-back. Mm. that seemed, He seems to be doing okay. He's not brilliant. Or Briant. See what I did there. Um, Sometimes he's had to be Briant when Briant's not in the game. So Yeah. And I think there was... I'm trying to think. There was one particular move 
uh, from that game with the Red Bulls and Brion just stood still. I think whether it's just the fact that he's got he's still playing with a injured ankle and he's just lost the pace. Oh no, he's not got the fat he's not the fastest player, but lost the pace and it you see Mora having to run back and track back. I think I wouldn't be too disappointed if he had to continue as centre back, but I think out of the defenders we've had so far in this first phase, how awesome has Donovan Pines been? He's been great. I I loved him last year. I was at that game in Minnesota where he scored. Oh, I don't care what yeah. what JR will tell anybody that man scored. That was legal. that was a legit goal. Full legit stop. goal. Uh, I was very very pissed off for him that he did not get that. But I, I you know and then even last year he had those games where he played really well and then he got hurt and he just couldn't find himself to get back into the shape needed to really battle for 90 minutes so it was kind of unfortunate that the injury occurred at where it did because if if it didn't you know maybe we go further in the playoffs because we have that guy like having the confidence of being able to play 90 minutes against the best you know forwards in in mls so now he's starting to get some of that confidence his his acumen isn't there yet like i feel like he's not putting it quite together yet and something gets lost sometimes and that's that's okay i'm willing to deal with that because i think what his attributes, what he brings to the table is something that cannot be matched by anybody on our roster. And if is once that slows down for him, he's going to be terrific. He's going to, in my mind, I think he can be a future, you know, men's national team center back because I think he has that kind of skill. Yeah. He just needs the game to slow down for him and it just hasn't quite got there yet. Yeah. And I think that the, his soccer knowledge will only get better as time goes on and the more minutes he's getting. That's where he needs. He just, he just needs minutes and the fact that he's getting that now and you can see week by week game by game he's getting better this is where the pandemic has probably failed him right because last year he was playing a lot of games at loud united he was getting that experience he was getting the match fitness and the games and the minutes down there when he wasn't up here now we have injuries so we only had there's a point where we only had three center backs we were using two of them so he was the backup for both center backs we got we got Schoberg and now there's two there's two backups, but still there's no one to be like you know good enough to say okay we'll have him as the as the backup and we can send Pines to Loudon for a couple of games to get some fitness and stuff like that. So he's kind of been in that tweener phase you know where he just can't get minutes on the field and he can't go anywhere else where he could get those minutes because they need him on the first team because of the the injury issue. So yeah. I, I I'm not necessarily upset at him for any of that because i feel like the pandemic has really failed him in that regard but and on the flip side the pandemic has helped him in the last in this first phase of return yeah because he's been able to get those games in mm-hmm. um just a couple of uh, comments coming again through on uh, on the youtube chat so keep those coming in that's great um my mate Stu um over here in the uk has just said pines for president I'll take it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say no to that. Um, and he's also said, uh, really good to see young players getting game time and forming bonds. Um, no relegation risk. So is this just a case of taking it on the chin to prep and build for next season? No. And I'll say, I'll say because we've had too many of those this decade. We've, we've had 2010, 2013, 2017. Yep. And as a fan base, we can say that we're tired of waiting for next year. We're, we're tired of having that mentality of, oh, don't worry about this year. We're just going to kind of go through the motions. And then next year, next year is when we build for it. 
we've only had one year where we said, okay, next year could be the year. And that was last year. And last year was just <clears throat> a lot of situations, you know, namely losing Rooney in the middle of the season. Uh, and, and, and then the Lucho fiasco and all that, right? Like yeah. we had a chance to do something great, do something very special. And last year, the way it ended just left a t- bad taste in fans' mouth. This year, yeah. we're not expecting to be like, okay, let's just start over and build back up and maybe next year we'll go for it. We want a team that aggressively every year comes in and says, this is our year. We're not waiting for next year. We're going for it right now. These players are going for it right now. So – while there's yeah there's no relegation issue i'm not really worried about that part we that's a whole another episode for another day i i want to see a team that goes out and says we're not waiting for next year let's let's go take what's ours right now i think every i think every fan wants that and yeah. they want a, a, a front office and, and a coaching staff and in a player roster that reflects that yeah absolutely i think the reason why we want that is we've got such a rich history in major league soccer, the amount of trophies that we've won. We're not a team that is happy to settle for first round exit in the playoffs. We, we need to be winning these conferences. We need to be winning the MLS cup. It's, Mm -hmm. it's so disappointing, but the beauty of major league soccer is if we don't end up doing so well this season, the way from this side of the pond anyway, from the way MLS seems to work, we could not really change the roster that much, but we could end up winning MLS Cup out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's par- there's a lot of parity. Yeah. Uh, and also with the rules with MLS, like, you know, 2013, we won US Open Cup, but we had one of the worst seasons on record. But because of that, we got a lot of allocation money. We got a lot of money, you know, for that. We, we made Champions League, so we got extra money from that. And then we used the re-entry draft and used our, our order, uh, our place at the top of the re-entry draft and, and all the alle- you know, allocations and stuff like that to get players and make some moves so that the next year we finish to the top of the East. So yeah. there is a way to do it. But the problem is, again, that was a point where we're like, at, you know, basically by April 30th, we're like, all right, next season. We'll just start <laughs> playing for us next season. We can't have that. We can't have that mentality more often than that. And sure enough, you know, every year, something happens where we're like, ah, now we're just in, you know, wait till next year mode. And that can't be for an organization and a club as, as rich in tradition as ours is. We want to be able to tell our fans every year, hey, we may not have gotten trophies, but we went for them. Like yeah. US Open Cup, yeah, it's not happening this year. But we want it, we want, our fans want us to go after every single piece of silverware possible and go after it aggressively because those are ours. And we should go take them. That's how the mentality we should. We, we, one of our favorite trophies is the armadillo that we won at a preseason tournament in Austin. It was the only year they had this thing. They canceled the very next year because of storms and stuff like that. But that armadillo still exists and it's still in our trophy case. It's uh, one of the favorite ones. And, and that's something because we said, hey, it's preseason, but there's an armadillo on the line and damn it, we're going to go get it. So let's go get every trophy we can possibly get. I love the fact that you've mentioned that because Kim mentioned that on the chat. <laughs> the last thing we won was an armadillo. Yeah. Uh, what an armadillo. And that's year after US Open Cup. So yeah. I guess we need to bring back the Austin tournament. So we can go defend our – maybe if we defend our title, we can get, to, get in that mentality in February. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, this whole 2020, in a way, I do want to write it off because it's not been your regular MLS regular season. It's just been absolutely mishmash of – 
bits and bobs. Let's put it that way. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, but we've had the phase one return um, after the MLS is back tournament. We're coming up to phase two now. So let's have a quick rundown of the three games that we've got. So as you've already mentioned, it is Toronto, Nashville, and New England. The next game is on Saturday evening, and that is a 7.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Uh, we are at home to Toronto. That is a 12.30 British summertime kickoff for us. Yes. Get your nap in. Oh, 12.30. I mean, to be honest, it's not the worst kickoff I've ever stayed up for. That's true. Um, then we've got the game against Nashville away. And that is an 8.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. And so that means it's a 1.30 a.m. kickoff over here. And then and that is on the 23rd of September. And then we have the last game of this phase on the 27th of September. And that is against New England Revolution at home again. Because I again. think, we, yeah. That, We've played well, them three times. We played them twice. This will be the third time. We played them twice at home. Yeah. And once during the MLS's back tournament. Which I we were as, also the home team. Yeah, I was going to say that was classed as a home team, home game for us. So bizarre. Um, but that is a seven PM kickoff, and that means in the states, and it's a twelve AM kickoff of here. Um, so it's going to be, I want to say, a little bit brutal uh, for me anyway, because you know late nights. But I want to talk about those games, and I want to see what your thoughts are, and more importantly your predictions so this is where the team needs to dig deep we we're still somehow one point out of a playoff spot somehow don't know like forget all like all the bad things you want to say about these last six games we are still in prime position to get a playoff berth. yes that is that is the factual knowledge and so again let's go get it this is where we need to dig deep we're already shorthanded hopefully we get a couple of these pieces back over the next week because uh, that will really help with these three games. Uh, but we also are facing three teams that have been playing pretty well. Toronto is near the top of the, of the East. Yep. Nashville has been playing well the last few games. Uh, I know beating Atlanta is, is not as good this year as it has been in previous years, but they, they played pretty well against them. Uh, and then New England has also played pretty well against us and against other teams, and, and they've gotten Lee Wynn back, and that is obviously going to be a boost of confidence to their guys. So, yeah. Ben Olsen's got to get these guys going. You got to get some rotations working, play the young guys. Again, the young guys can recover quicker. So let me, let me see them for some heavy minutes because I want to see what they can do with this added bit of pressure over the next 10 days. And, and really, I just want them to be motivated to walk out of here. You know, we have nine possible points. Let's walk out of here with six. That'll keep us in the race. Uh, that really, you know, also shows me that they're motivated to get these results saying, Hey, if we can get sneak into these playoffs, who knows what can happen, right? So let's go ahead and, and solidify our position so that, you know, when we finally get the second phase of this phase two, because this was supposed to be another six games, they only gave us three. Yeah. Um, and so let's see what happens over these next week, these next 10 days. And then from there, let's get our mind for the next ones. And, and it's funny, we're treating it kind of like, like American football. You know, American football kind of breaks a long season down into quarters. So you're like, all right, these yeah. next four games, what are we going to do? These next four games, what are we going to do? Soccer, we don't really do that because games are coming every, you know, every week and you get a into kind of a rhythm. But now they can say, okay, take this phase. Let's knock this phase out of the park. And then we'll worry about the next thing. Because in this COVID world, that's all we can do is kind of just focus on what we have in front of us. And then we'll worry about everything else when we get to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... 
Toronto wise. Toronto. Are we are we, go, are we are we gonna win? We're gonna tie? Are we gonna get beat? I'm gonna go one one. I'm gonna say okay. I'm gonna say Riva scores. Ooh, I'd, um, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy with that. And Josie's gonna score for for Toronto. Josie's been. I think Josie's yeah. starting to to get a little confidence, y'all. Like that's not good, but. <laughs> Uh, I do think the the defense and again those games last time we played them, you know it was that two two you know wild game at nine in the morning uh, he, over here uh, where Akinola scored twice and then and then we had Bri- a Briant and then uh, Iguain. Uh But I do think Rivas gets his first goal for us and I think Josie gets one on the other side, so it's one one. Yeah, I'm 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 liking that. I think depending on the formation, if we do go with the two up top, I think we've got a good chance of sneaking a victory out of this because I, I don't know. I just have that feeling, you know, and I do agree. Rivas I, will be I scoring. Right. I hope I'm wrong. And I hope you're right. Every, oh. <laughs> I think my fingers are crossed. My toes are crossed. Well, they're not really crossed, but yeah, the sentiment is there. Um, we then come up against Nashville, which this will be the f- first time we've played against them. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of an unknown. It is at their Nissan Stadium, and it's going to be. They've played really well. I think they didn't they beat Atlanta United four two. Yeah, recently. I mean, granted, Atlanta have been awful this season, mm-hmm. but it's still Atlanta United. They've built this reputation as being one of the big teams in Major League Soccer. That goes down as a huge win for Nashville, and that will give them a heck of a lot of confidence. We've got to be mindful of that. I want to say. So my rule for expansion teams is don't lose to expansion teams. So I feel like that's a pretty easy rule. I feel like that's one that's fair. Uh, And Nashville, love Nashville, love visiting there. One of my favorite cities in America. Uh, However, your team is an expansion team. So thus rule one applies. We cannot lose them. And I don't think we will. Uh, I think it'll be a two nothing victory. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to score there. I'm going to reserve judgment for that because a lot can happen in six days and I have no yeah. idea who's going to be playing. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say he's going to be two nothing. Uh, I do think Bill is back in goal at that point and gets the clean sheet for us. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll agree with that. So, so you, at the moment you've got four points for DC. I'm currently sitting on six here. Mm-hmm. I've got this optimism. I, I don't know why. It's just the way I am. I think it's the British part of me. I'm always optimistic. And then we come up against New England Revolution, who we did get beat by in the last game. It was 2-1. 2-1. Yeah. It was back no. uh, about two and a half weeks ago. Yeah. So do we get revenge in this game? No. no? Um, this is the one where I think is going to be a little bit of a struggle because I do think they match up pretty well with us. Yeah, uh, And also, I'm just going to chalk this one up to the fact of after playing two games in the span of four days, that these guys are tired. Uh, we've seen that. We've seen them kind of lose their edge when we have a lot of games in a short period of time. This will be no exception. I think it will also be two to one. Oh, so you're going for it. Is that a defeat for us? Is it two one that one? I think this one is the one where we, we catch the L. Oh, so you're, you're finishing on this phase with four points. I'm going to say we're going to tie this game. Because that seems to be go- the going theme for matchups between us and New England. The amount of ties we that we've ties. had. We do oh, and a good sending off in this game as well. Yeah. I don't oh, know. That's, ooh, that's a nice prediction. Who send- is it? It's going to be sending off. And Bruce Arena. 
Oh, that's easy. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna stretch for that, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce may not be coaching this game. Like he might. He might get sent off. You know, that's this not... weekend. <laughs> He's just coming back from another suspension. Like <laughs> that man's gonna say something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just crazy. I don't. I don't know why there is a, there's always a good aggression between the two teams, and it's not one your typical rivalry. But I think give it another couple of years, this could be a big rivalry between the two sides, especially if Bruce Arena is still there. I think it's a. I mean, it's always been a traditional rival. Like, I mean, when it comes to you know DC United and New England Revolution, the greatest game ever played was between these two teams. In of course. Yep. Uh, playoffs. Like, I mean, the, the the rivalry goes way back between these two teams, and and the good thing is with regards to rivalry is that, you know, a lot of these players know each other very well. Ben and, and Bruce obviously know each other very well. They want to beat each other really bad and they want to, you know, outshine the other. So there's that element as well. So the storylines may not be as sexy for MLS as other, you know, rivalries, but this is one. And, and yeah. I won't say it's our biggest rivalry by any stretch, but it is one where, you know, our fan bases are just like, we, we have a common like, yeah, you know what? They're fine. We just want to beat them. That's like yeah. we just want to get get them out of the paint, and then we can carry on with life. But I think, yeah, I think this is one of those games that's going to be back and forth. It's going to be aggressive on both yep. sides. There's going to be a lot of fouls. Um, if Bruce gets sent off, then I don't think Benny will, because uh, that that point Benny can say what he wants. <laughs> Benny, <laughs> Benny, Benny, Benny gets close, but he doesn't cross. He does. the line. Bruce is just Bruce is just a line stepper. Like that's ah. what he does, so. Uh, yeah, so that'll be that'll be an interesting game to watch. Yeah, and I think uh, Kim is also agreeing with the fact that saying he's like he's just said New England is also big and physical as well. So we, I think we're all in agreement on that side of things. Yeah, absolutely. I do think we will miss Felipe in this game though because I do love his aggression, and I think he, he's, he's also a line stepper. If we're yeah. if we can be honest, he's a line stepper too uh, on the field. But yeah, it's that that's the sort of you know get to the line without crossing it we need that aggression in this game because they're going to bring it too we have to match the intensity level and that's been our issue sometimes sometimes we don't match that intensity level that the other team is bringing we have to do that against new england new england's only i think they're in eighth place we're in we're in 11th yeah. so they're they're only within like a couple points of us so that will be a very important game to get back in so i again i hope i'm wrong on this i i just think we will run out of some gas but in the end, that is an important game when you're looking at the standings to get into these playoffs. You're going to want to beat a team like that because you're going to want to show that any team in the playoffs can be beat by you. Yeah, I think, as you rightly said, it's going to be a close game. And I think if the team does it right and they build it up like a big rivalry game where on the social media front they start playing uh, clips from the Rumble at RFK, those kind of things... I think from a fan point of view, this could be a massive, massive game. And hopefully we can all get behind the club in this one and really take it to them. Yeah, and that's a home game. So that gives me yeah. a little bit more hope. That I mean, last time we played them, it was on the road. You never like and, – and especially now with how travel is working, where yeah. they're you know, not being able to do their full routine. At least when you're at home, you get to go through your full routine. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go for a tie in this one. You've said a 2-1 defeat. So at the end of these games, you've got three po uh, four points, sorry. I've got seven. Yeah. Oh. I, I hope we're both wrong, and that hope is nine. That would be nice. That would be, be nice. nice. It would give, us some, give us some cushion. Yeah. Uh, 
but we just got to see. That's why they play the games. Absolutely. So, as we've just been talking about that, we've obviously said about uh, sneaking into the playoffs. And the reason for that this year, weirdly, they've given 10 places, um, playoff places in the Eastern Conference this season, mainly because they've had to, I think it's, they've moved Nashville from the Western Conference over to, over to us. So, they've kind of made it up in that way. It's just a bit of a strange thing. They were talking about it on this week's episode on MLS UK show about how are they going to work it out with the playoff situation? So go and listen to that because I'm still confused. I think we all are. Yeah, there we go. Right, let's move on to a little bit of news that's been popping up this week. Um, the big one, and if you're obviously an avid DCU fan, you've probably watched the Gressel special, and he announced that the DC Youth Academy is fully paid now. How awesome is that? Long overdue. Yeah. It's great news. It's long overdue. We were one of two teams uh, that were pay to play for their academy. Uh, and now we are one of 30, you know, 26 teams now or 25 teams that, that don't have that anymore. And I think yeah. that's great because it allows us to go after some, you know, some of the talent that is in a talent rich region, you know, go to some that are in existing regions around us and kind of pull them into our academy uh, and really, I think putting the emphasis on that, you know, how that trickles from the academy to Loud United, you know, Loud United is really struggling right now, but I think it's because they're trying to put together how this system is going to play out in yeah. the development phase. Uh, they've played a lot of young guys, and I think that the academy is there. You can tell that the academy is breeding some really great players. We've seen it so far this season on the first team. And I think this is just the next step in that. And fully investing in that means that, you know, we're going to be breeding players to, you know, play for Loudon and then eventually play for DC United and then maybe even, you know, you know, go on to to greater glory in Europe. That is, it seems that that is starting to work itself out. And but this is a really big step. I mean, it's a huge step, uh, and it's great news and it's welcome. Yeah, I think it's as you rightly said, it's been long overdue because it's been, in a little way, a little bit embarrassing the fact that we were one of the only sides left that was pay to play it just coming from the uk side where academies are throwing the money at the kids and signing them up from the like uh, age of six and eight and bring them through the ranks it just still felt really really weird that there were were still some teams out there that were doing pay to play over your side because from sport is such it's so ingrained in your culture and the way you go about things you would have thought pay to play would have long gone yeah you would think so but the thing about it is you know people always talk about why do we have pay to play and stuff that's the model for every sport in the united states i mean when it comes to i mean growing up i had to pay to play every sport that i played there was no one who was like yo you're good enough come play for us if you're playing basketball if you're playing i mean yeah we have the you know high school and, and and whatever where you can play for free yeah. But when I'm talking about like just the AAU circuit for basketball or just the travel circuit for baseball or even for football, all of those are paid. You have to pay to be a part of those organizations and be a part of those leagues. And so naturally that's what they set up for soccer. And, you know, when it's the opposite for, you know, the rest of the world. But when I think about it, you know, now we see how it works and now we can see how it can be be beneficial for DC United 
you know, they're building a new training facility in Loudoun. That is going to be a massive complex to watch the spirit. Yeah. They're also going to be there. The Academy is going to be there. Loudoun United is going to be there. It's going to, they've doubled the size of this because they're starting to plan for this increase in, uh, in investment. So if it means that this is going to be helping us, you know, you know, develop the next, you know, great players of this league, that is great. And I think that is, you know, what this news tells us is that they're willing to put the money uh, where that, where that development needs to be. So that's great. And I hope that it means, you know, we see way more uh, Moses Nyman's and Griffin Yao's and, and Kevin Predatis and on the, on the first team very, very soon. Absolutely. What we got to remember though, this is brand new. Um, the MLS next program has only just been announced this year. So we got to remember it's going to take a few years for this to bed in. So mm. we're not going to see instant results from this. It's going to take time. And I would, I would put a good three years on it before we start seeing a return on investment on this, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, this is a constant thing. This is one step of many where, yeah. you know, to get to the moon, you can't just, you know, I knew it was one leap for man, one, you know, giant leap for mankind, but it, it wasn't, 130,000 miles. It was, you know, it was only 10 feet because there were so many steps we had to take to get to that point. And that's the same thing here. You know, people think that we can just, you know, snap our Thanos fingers and everything's going to turn into this glorious thing. It's going to take time. It's going to take some, you know, blood, sweat and tears. And it's going to take some frustration as we are experiencing. So at that point, we're now, we're now on the path and, you know, that path is not going to be paved and it's not going to be straight all the time. So You've got to roll with it, and but this is a very, very big first step, and it's really one, it's an important first step. Oh, absolutely. Um, other news that we had out, and I think this came out at the back end of this week, start of this week. It does look like Bill Hamid is due to return for this weekend's fixture against Toronto. Um, little question for you, though, about the fact that Bill Hamid's been missing. Have we had these defensive woes from set pieces because he's not there? Because you know he's a very vocal goalkeeper. His communication is top-notch. Chris Seitz isn't the loudest of keepers. You don't really hear him. And especially, you can hear, should be able to hear him now because there's no fans there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the reason why we've been conceding so many goals from set pieces recently is the fact that Bill's not been there to organize the defense? Probably. I mean, that probably has something to do with it. The consistency, the fact that, you know, when Bill's, when 24 is between the sticks, you know, everything's going to be okay in that regard, yeah. right? Very rarely does he give up a mistake. You know, very rarely is he, you're saying, yo, Bill had a bad game. It's one of those things where, like you said, he commands, like, I think it was very evident during MLS's back ter- tournament, you know, we knew this and now the rest, <laughs> of, the, rest of the country was like, wow, Bill Hamid is yeah. loud. He's yeah. always talking. Uh, and even during the Red Bull game, he was, he was chattering when he was on the bench. So like those sort of things that the guys are, are used to that, obviously they're used to him and he is able to quarterback a defense. He's able to tell people, I need you here, pulling guys saying, you know, guard this guy set in this zone, whatever, whatever defensive set, you know, that they're trying to do, he's able to command that. And sometimes it's hard to switch from a guy that, you know, to a guy that doesn't get to do that very often on the field for you. So Chris Seitz, you know, over time, if he was, you know, the long-term keeper, like maybe they, his style would work with the guys because they'd become accustomed to it. Yep. But they're accustomed to Bill being very loud and very in your face and very like, this is what needs to happen right now. And to the point where even, you know, you sitting at home or you sitting in the stands is like, hey, you heard Bill? You're like, move. Like, get off your guard yep. that man. Like, 
So it, all that helps because, you know, it, it, if you have a quarterback that can do that, a guy who can just command everything and put everybody in the right place, it makes everything easy for him as well. Uh, he also makes the, you know, there's also the thing of, oh, if I make a mistake, Bill will cover me. Bill will save me because Bill has been known to do that so many times in his career yeah. for us. So I think that is what's missing. And, and God, please be back on Saturday. Like, we miss you. Just come back. It'll be fine. Yes. And I know, again, this is something that I spoke with John on the last show. Apparently, the players do tune into these podcasts. So, Bill, if you're listening, please be back. We want you back. We're ready. We need, we need you back. Yeah, <laughs> we're ready. I mean, I, I was about to break into a Take That song. So, American listeners, you might not know that, but we want you back. We want you back. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that because I'm, I'm going to get stares and things like that from my wife in a minute. Um, <laughs> A little stat that came out, um, which isn't a good stat for the club. It's We've not scored in the first half since September 22nd, 2019. Almost a full year. Um, it's been 14 games since we last scored in the first half. And it's the joint longest run um, with Shivas USA, which is now a defunct team thoughts on that because i'm slightly embarrassed by it i mean we i don't think i, I think my man jason anderson of uh, black raid night i think he wrote that the earliest we've scored a game in that or scored a goal in that stretch is the 59th minute oh, so literally God. what that means is we don't have to if, if we want to watch ourselves score we don't have to turn it on until the 60th minute which is a big problem that's not how you gain you know interest <laughs> right so the, the thing is is that you can tell some games that we come out aggressive and it's just not happening and we get frustrated. And then there's some where we just lay back and wait and we wait and see what the other team does and we kind of feel it out and all of a sudden it is the 60th minute and then that's when we decide, hey, turn on the go jets and let's, and let's burn. Yeah. So I think when it comes to – it's, it's incredibly frustrating that we know – we almost know entering a game. But we don't have to really watch the first half because nothing of note is going to happen for us. But – the aggression has to come from, from the opening, you know, opening kickoff. Like we, in any sport, you know, who's ready to play and who isn't. And it seems like every single game in the first half that we're quite not ready to take the field. And we need to sh come out with a passion and aggression that shows, Hey, we may not be scoring, but we're going to be, it's not going to be for lack of effort. We're going to be running around. We're going to be getting, you know, crosses in. We're going to be getting shots in. We're going to be, you know, be trying to create something where we can and finding open guys who are sometimes need to be selfish. They don't need to give it up uh, in the box. Take a shot because yeah. as Sorg approved, it could go in. Like those sort of things are what we need to do. And the issue is, is we're not seeing that in the first half. And you know, some games we don't see it in the second half either. Uh, so that is it, it, the defense has been, you know, has been really good at times. We've had a couple of mistakes, and that's really what's been costing us. I mean, against Red Bull, we had two mistakes, led to yep. two goals. They had three shots. Like, though, I, I, as much as I hate losing them, like, the defense was okay. I need that to turn over to the offense. If, yep. in, I, I love basketball. I watch basketball all the time as much as I watch soccer. In basketball, there are teams who are like, yo, they love blocking a shot. They love getting a good defensive stand because they take that, and they take that momentum and turn it right around on offense and go get – you know, go get a shot. Yeah. That is what we need to do in soccer because that's the, that's the soccer that fans want to watch is that, Hey, they made a great stand over here. 
And now they're going to counter. Look at them running over there. Look at these guys spreading out and, and moving and moving with the ball and taking it to the other team and having them flat footed for once instead of us being the ones that are flat footed. So that's what I want to see in the first half of this game, because if we don't score in the first half of this game, it will be a year at least. Yes. It will be after that mark, after that September 22nd mark. So let's go out and just end this misery in the first half against Toronto. And that way, we can play with a little bit more confidence in the second half as well, instead of hoping that we don't give up a goal. So on that stat and the fact that we actually played with a bit more attacking flair against Red Bulls in the last game, does that bode well for us? Because it showed that in the first half, we had that Julian Gressel effort. We had that Halman Rivas almost goal. Does that bode well, that fact that we are now in a place where we can attack a little bit more. We've had a full week's rest as well. So we the players should be match fit, no mm-hmm. tiredness. Is that going to build well for us in this next game? I hope so, because I think now we know what positions our guys need to be in on the field to be their best, right? Yeah. Like we know how to, you know, Rivas knows how to get the ball out to the wings. He knows how to head it and, and create control and create yeah. an attack going one way. Gressel knows where he needs to be on the field to send something into the box and to find his guys. Guys yeah. need to know where they need to be in the box to get open for that. So uh, as an ambulance comes by on my end, um, <laughs> that happens here in D.C. We just kind of go with it. Uh, but when you have those – when you know where everyone is on the field and you know what everyone's good at, then it's our job to put them in those positions as many times as possible so that they can do what they do. And – I think when we saw in the first half, especially against Red Bull, is that we had those flashes where we could get into those spots. And so we need to work on those and say, okay, how do we, how did we arrive at this point where Gressel can do this, where Rivas can, can get this scoring opportunity? Let's expand on that and see if we can't put pressure on Toronto in these spots so that these guys can be open. And even if they're not open, if it's like, oh, we just missed it, maybe that means someone's coming in from another angle and they have the shot. Yeah. Putting pressure on defense, you know, eventually any defense will fold. You've got to put pressure on them though. And I think that is where we have been lacking all year, but we all, we are capable of doing that with the guys that we have on the field. Yeah. But you know, if we've got Bill Hamid in goal, they can put as much pressure on our defense as they want. Cause you remember that game, was it 2018? Mm-hmm. against Toronto at BMO. Yeah. The most amount of saves in a game Ever. Ever. And we kept a clean sheet. Yeah. And, and we won. Like, yeah. and, and that's the confidence that you want where, and you know, any, anyone can go to whatever you do. You can show up and you just like have something happen early in the day and you're like, man, it's going to be a great day. Ain't that good? Yeah. Ain't nothing stopping me today. Like, you know it. Like, whatever, whatever that is, you got your right breakfast sandwich, your, your, your clothes are fitting right, your hairdo's tight, whatever it is. You got a good meeting. Yeah, a bonus, whatever that is. There's going to be something that always says, yo, today's going to be great. Yeah. And Bill has that. Bill, you could tell immediately. Like, he makes a stop and he gets up and he just kind of goes, yeah, this is it. This yeah. is the one. We're having a good day today. And once you know that, then that means you can put more pressure on the other side going, hey, you know, we could be a little bit more aggressive because Bill's on today. Or, you know, Birnbaum is on today. Or Brianna's is on today. Like, you want to have those guys, if they're confident, then that means – you have the leeway to send some guys up and do some things and maybe be more creative and try something to put pressure on their guys because their guys clearly aren't having a good day. Yeah. So other, one last bit of news I wanted to 
briefly talk about because we've already spoken about it this in the show already. Ben also mentioned that Ariola could be getting some minutes this year. Um, when you saw that news, how did you feel? Were you as excited as I was? Because I was just, and I saw that, I was like, this is awesome. It's been a really, really bad year for us. And um, whether it's off the field or on the field, but there's that nice little, little bit of light at the end of the tunnel there. Uh, first of all, Ariel is a cyborg. Uh, it's clear that he is <laughs> mostly machine. Uh, and all he had to do is just like get the part for what for his knee and just put it back in and just kind of you know get back to it. But in all seriousness, I think it, it's it's inspiring to see him come back so quickly. And and again, COVID might be you know COVID may have filled Donovan Pines, but it absolutely was not failing Paul Ariola because he has a chance to play in the season that he thought was lost back in February. Yeah. Uh, but when I when I look at it in realistic terms, like. I'd, I would love to see him get some minutes this season. I'd love for him to come back. I do not expect anything from him other than running around on the field and getting his cardio and, and getting, you know, gaining some confidence. I don't expect him to come out and start scoring eight, 10 goals or, or being a focal point of creating an attack. Yeah. I just want him to, first of all, I want him to be 100% healthy because I think he is a rock star when he is healthy. Yeah. Uh, and so when that happens, just kind of get that match fitness. It, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if he went if if he would go to Loudon for a couple games just to get that confidence, just to get yeah. that thing that I thought Yamil Assad could have benefited from last year. Absolutely, and I think that would you know for Ariola's purposes, we're just like, look, whatever he does this year is that is the only thing that I want set up for next year. And, if, and honestly, if we make playoffs and the team has to, our opponent has to prepare for a DC night lineup with Ariola in it that means that they're scared. They're already on their back foot and we have the edge there. Absolutely. Um, I don't know whether it's John or Ted because they've not said, but uh, they've just said, uh, take your time, Paul, in massive capital letters there. And that That is also another thing is we want Paul to be back when he's ready. Mm-hmm. Not, be, not any time before, but when he absolutely feels he is 100% ready to go and take to that field. Um I don't know whether you saw the video that uh, the club released today where they were shown clips from their training um, efforts just today. And it looked like um, it was Ariola was there with the team. I don't know whether you saw that at all. I didn't know, and but it doesn't surprise me. Because mm. again, the man is a cyborg. He, he doesn't live the way we do. We, yeah. we, we, are, we are normal breathing humans, and this man, when he goes home, he just takes off his machine and sets it on the sets it on the on the charger to be recharged the next day. I don't know how he does it, but it's really it's it's really just absolutely remarkable to see the progress that he's made over the last few months just to get back to where he is. And so like I I agree with I agree with the guys. I agree with you. If he's 110% ready, cool. Throw him in there, see what he can do. Don't expect him to come back this year. Don't expect him to do anything if he does come back. Yeah. Just be glad that we have him back on the team. Absolutely. And it was uh, John. Um, and he says it's almost always John. So, <laughs> hey, John, thank you for tuning in. Um, we're coming up to some questions now. So if you're, if you're watching right now, if you've got any questions, hit them up in the chat now because we're going to go through some things. Um, but Stu, my mate, he sent me a question a few days ago, so in preparation for this. Um, and, he, and he asks, given the relative success of NFL playing games outside of the States, notably in London. 
um, and the frequency with which European clubs to the USA, so your Manchester United, your Chelsea's, your Liverpool's, um, would you like to see MLS explore the option of playing games in Europe? No. Really? Why not? Uh, so let, let me let me rephrase. I am not a fan of MLS playing league games in Europe, like during the season league games. Yes. You know how the, there have been some reports that uh, uh, a promoter here in the United States was trying to bring La Liga to play uh, a league game in uh-huh. the United States. Totally against that, 1,000%. Yeah. I, do, I think league matches should be played in the league that they're in in front of the fans that believe it. whenever it's safe for us to eventually go back, it should be played in front of us, not for anyone else and elsewhere. But I yeah. do think that MLS teams should consider going abroad to Europe, maybe in January during winter breaks uh, to play friendlies against some European teams. We want them to go over there. I also think this brings up a big point of forming partnerships with European teams and taking advantage of those partnerships, sending guys over to train with them. Yeah. Send- having guys come over who are out of favor and say, Hey, why don't you send them over here to stay match fit or whatever, like, or, or yeah. on loan. We, we have a perfect opportunity with Swansea city because Levian and Kaplan own that team, but we haven't seen that partnership materialize because we haven't seen any of our guys go over there and we haven't seen any of their guys come over here. So why aren't we doing that? And I, yeah. why aren't MLS teams taking advantage of that part? And then that leads to, okay, well, we'll just, you know, instead of, us doing a normal January camp in, you know, preseason, why don't we go over to England and play Swansea or in, in their, in their midweek uh, friendly or something like that, just to get, or play their U 23s or whatever. Yeah. Go over to Germany or go over to uh, uh, the middle East where German teams like to go for, uh, for their winter break and play a couple of them in some friendlies. Like it's, yeah. these seem like no brainers. And I just don't think that they've really thought in that, capacity of how to do that because that maximizes the exposure of the players and maximizes the exposure of the team where people go oh wow yeah dc united yeah we played them in a friendly they were pretty they were pretty good for you know we were mid-season and they were in preseason and they you know came in and and fared well like those are the sort of things that you want to see this league do to get to the next level of being you know as they say they want to be a top 10 league then show that you're a top 10 league by going out and playing some of these teams that you know are saying hey come over and play us yeah, and I think with the as twenty nineteen, we had some European teams coming to outfield. So I think we had was it Marseille? Hmm. Uh, we had Betis over here as well, yep. and that was actually really good to see that there weren't the, the top top tier teams, but there were teams that I would reckon we could actually do decently against if we put out our first team. So, and in Spain, you've got the winter break. So why can't we go over to Spain? And play the likes of Betis. It, yeah. It, those are the, I mean, those are the games you want to see, right? Like, yeah. again, you're right. It doesn't have to be where we're going to Anfield and play Liverpool. Like, we're not I mean, asking to do that. I mean, that'd be great. I mean, that'd be great. I could go and see DC United in the UK. That would be amazing. That'd be great. But, like, we're not asking to do that. But, like, you know, if we have a – like, you know, take the young guys, for example, Yao and Paredes. Like, maybe in the offseason, send them to Swansea to get some training and see what it takes to get to the next level. Like, yeah. give them that exposure. Those didn't, sort of things need to happen too. Didn't Donovan Pine spend a little bit of time during mm-hmm. the off season at Swansea? Yes, and, I, and you know I think that fared well for him. You know yeah. he's he's starting to again the one thing that we're saying his game needs to slow down. He knows from that short experience how fast the game can be, right? Like and so yeah. he's got that exposure. So now he should know what he needs to do to bring the game down to a slower pace for him that he can react to it 
in the way that needs to happen for him to excel. So those are the sort of things that you want to see. You want to see those partnerships come through. Yep. And you know, again, like if you could take a team over, I know we were talking about this was a couple of years ago, going over to Indonesia and playing. Uh, we did that. We were talking about going over to uh, Europe at some point, not Europe, uh, the Middle East at some point a couple of years ago. That never materialized, but that's what you want to see. You like, yeah, yeah I, I get it. Like you want to probably do it in a place where you have some fans where you'd be able to travel. And that's oh, not, always, that's not always the easiest thing to do, but the exposure, I would much rather them go over and play some German teams in their, in their midweek or their, I'm sorry, their midseason season uh, winter break, uh, you know, play a, a Schalke or play a Wolfsburg or whoever, and just get to know how that, it happens but also for these guys they can get exposed to that level of play and say here's what we need to do to step our game up and maybe one day they're playing for you know Wolfsburg and Schalke instead of for DC United we'd love to have them as long as we want as we could but there's a point where if these guys have dreams of playing in Europe they need to know what it's going to take to play there we need to expose yeah. them to that as sooner you know sooner rather than later no, absolutely. Um, Stu's just had a little uh, thought um, to add to it. Um, he agrees that um, not playing league games um, abroad, that he's 100% with you on that. Um, but friendlies overseas, when so many European teams have ownership linked in Major League Soccer, just makes sense to him. And that's mm-hmm. a fair point as well. The fact that you've got so many teams over here, especially in the UK, who own clubs in, in the States, why are and why why isn't more teams like us taking use of that? And it's clear they're paying attention. I mean, just the other day, DC United released that video, uh, re-released that video of them yes. doing challenge, uh, the like skills challenge with Bayern Munich. Yep. I'm not saying go over there, hey, go over there and play at Allianz tomorrow, but those are the sort of things where, like, hey, the partnership levels between this two collaborating on things like that that gives it, you know endears our players to them and their players to us like those are sort of things that we want to see and it doesn't always have to be Swansea I know we're linked with them by owning them but we don't have to always do stuff with Swansea we want to put these guys in position where they can take the next step in their professional careers and to do that they need to be exposed to what it's going to take to get to the next level that they seek so in any way if they can do that by all means, do it, except for taking a league game there. That's just the only thing we shouldn't yeah. be doing. I love that. Kim just said uh, nobody wants to see Arsenal against the Colorado Rapids. I, I do. I laugh. <laughs> I need a laugh right now. That'd yeah. be a 90-minute laugh. You saw how they played last night. You saw – I mean, you seen how Arsenal has played at times. That, like, who would blink first? It would be – Yeah. <laughs> and that's real. John um, has uh, asked, Donald, how much of money have you saved not flying all across North America for U.S. national team games for the last six months? Um, not – well, there's, there's give and take, John. See, there is the money that you spend on uh, traveling, and then there's the money that you spend on jerseys, and then sometimes <laughs> that money blends. And so when it comes to this pandemic, yeah, I'm not flying, but these jerseys ain't buying themselves. So – uh, yeah, I've saved a lot of money on travel, but you know, as much as funny, I've, I have bought more jerseys this year than I have in any year. And, and people who know me know I buy a metric buttload of jerseys, but this year has been just, I don't, I, I don't know where to put them all, but at the same time, I'm still saving quite a bit of money because I'm not going out. Uh, you know, I'm not paying for parking at the stadium, I'm not pre-gaming for games at the stadium, the things yeah. that I would normally be doing, which I would, you know, would go back to if it was safe today 
uh, but it just isn't. And so with that, you know, eating out and all those little things that just kind of add up. Yeah, I've been saving a lot of money and the travel part, you know, I just kind of factor that travel part in and I just took that budget and transferred it over to jerseys, it seems. So what's the best jersey you've bought then since uh, lockdown? Ooh, that's a loaded question. Um, okay, so I'm going to go with two. Okay. The first one, well, oh, I can't even use that one. So <laughs> I was going to say my AODC Cherry Blossom jersey, but that came in technically. Uh, we bought that before, yeah. the, uh, before the pandemic started. So yeah. I think we will go with the Pescara jersey that has the dolphin on it. Yeah. Um, that was designed by a six-year-old. So I think that's the one that I'm looking for. Oh, hang on. I think we've just hit some technical issues. Uh... Hi, everyone out there. I don't know if you guys can hear me or if you can hear James. Yeah. We're having some technical difficulties. That happens in the Zoom age. Uh, we will be back. folks sorry about that <laughs> my bad um sometimes it happens my computer decides to throw a little wobble but we're back it's like a hurricane you know sometimes it just kind of zooms on the land and sometimes it just slows down and stops you just gotta roll with it haven't you yeah absolutely yeah um so let's i'm just gonna look back at the comments because there's been a couple things there i think we were talking about your jerseys weren't we and we were talking about your, you were going to put it down to two, if I remember rightly. Yeah. So I said I couldn't use the one because technically my AODC jerseys uh, that were received, we got those pre-pandemic. So I can't okay. consider those a part of the pandemic, but that is easily the best jersey that has come out for me this year. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of great ones, though. I, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of great ones that I've received. Uh, there is the... Um, uh, which one was that? The the drip kit from Ford Madison. Yep. Clean. Y'all, they always do a great job. They had that Black Lives Matter one that I just received. I haven't got a chance to wear it yet. Also, yep. it's terrific. Uh, Richmond Kickers uh, has done a couple that have been great uh, for Pride and also for uh, Black Heritage Month. The okay. one I'm going to go with just to stand out overall because I think it has a nice story. There is a team in Italy called Pescara. Yes. Uh, they're the Dolphins. Oh. 
So I got the dolphin kit, the one that has the rainbow that the six-year-old designed, Luigi, or I believe his name was. Yeah. Uh, so I got one of those jerseys. Uh, and let me tell you, it is just as awesome in person as it looked in the drawing. They did a great job with it. Um, I think it's Herrera is the uh, supplier that, that, that outfits them. But uh, I got it. I, I even got it from a UK site because the Italian store that, that were selling it wouldn't yeah. ship to the United States. And I think I got it through like kit bag or something. Cause they're like, yeah. yeah, we'll send it to you. Uh, it took like three days to get it. Uh, once they, once they made them. So oh, wow. but that That's one, quick. that one stands out uh, for me as one of the cool ones I got. And also I will say the second one is there is a, there is also, it's also in the UK. There's a, a site called Killavilla FC. Mm. They do a lot of mashups from soccer and hip hop. So they'll have like a Nas Jersey or a Jay-Z Jersey. They came out with a couple, one for, uh, a couple of jerseys for Jay Dillo, which is one of my favorite producers of all time. He's from Detroit, where I grew up. Uh, he passed away back in 2006 of lupus, uh, but is an influential, one of the most influential producers that hip hop has ever had, uh, and still is influential today, even though he's been gone with, from us for uh, the last 14 years. But they came out with two jerseys from his last uh, album, which came out three days after he passed away, called Donuts. One was pink and black. And those of y'all who know me knew that that was a must grab. I got that one. That was right when the pandemic started. And then when the pandemic started, maybe a couple months in, they released a third kit that was shaped, uh, modeled after the Detroit Tigers. Uh, and so I got one of those. And they were so great because I re- they didn't have my size uh, initially. So I bought a smaller size than I normally have. It fit okay. But I was like, hey, if you guys get the size that I need, would I be able to exchange it? And maybe two months later, I I finally found out that they put my size on sale and they were so cool to just be like, yeah, send the Jersey back. We'll refund you for the one that you bought. And then we'll send you uh, buy one of these. We'll send that to you and you send it back and we'll, we'll make it square. And they sure enough did. It took a month to get it because of, because uh, of customs being just kind of out of whack right now. But that Jersey, once I got it, I was so happy that it finally hit my collection. Uh, Going to be one of my favorites uh, to ever wear because again, I, I'm a big Tigers fan. I'm a big Jay Dilla fan. And those go hand in hand. Uh, um, you might be just watching there, just thinking, what the heck am I doing? Um, <laughs> my microphone arm decided to uh, fall over on me. So it happens too. Um, I, I do podcasts like this is usually I have a headset because uh, the mic that I used to have would do the same thing. It would just kind of fall down and just yep. like you're just always fumbling around in camera. It, it happens. It happens. Um, also, whilst we just uh, went off uh, there for a brief moment, um, we also lost sound when we did came come back on. So, just to briefly, if you missed it, your favorite favorite one of your favorite ones that you bought jerseys wise, we'll, we'll get this out there now, was the Pescara Calcio uh, jersey mm-hmm. that with the dolphin on. Um, so we'll just get that out there. Yeah. Um, so we do. I do apologize for all this. Um, annoying technical issues we've just had in the last what five ten minutes. Yeah. But, you know, as we said, this is the technical age. This is yeah. the way life is right now. If you haven't had a technical difficulty uh, on a virtual podcast like this, or even just a Zoom call or anything, then you really haven't been living these last seven months. Exactly. If you if you don't have technical issues, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. Yeah, you're exactly. Not yeah. Um, so we've just had, as I said, just a few comments coming through uh john said his jersey pile is ever expanding i would like to know what is your best jersey that you've bought recently john 
Um, he's been on the oh, he's just said he's been on the hunt for a Barry jersey. That's not Barry Island in the UK. That is Barry in Italy. Um, in his size, but it's like they don't do big boy sizes for lower league Italian teams. They really don't. Uh, yeah. Even I mean, I got a Chris Durkin jersey because they were on sale uh, from. Yeah. From his team in Belgium, yeah. and I got what I thought was a size above mine. It's it fits like a medium, like <laughs> not a medium. The, like it, it's a great jersey, looks great. It's gonna be a permanent part of my collection. It will probably be one that I will never ever be able to wear because it's that tiny, but it still looks really nice. So if you guys are watching the Belgian league, you can watch Chris Durkin wear these jerseys, but you're not gonna be able to fit them because they're really very small. Um, he's also just said European sizing is trash. Um, excuse me, John. European sizing is on point. Because... Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I just remember I've got um, my first actual DC United jersey, and this must be gone four years ago now because uh, trying to get them over here was quite difficult to say the least. Um, and I ended up getting a double XL one because normally, well, I'm six foot ten, so I'm a giant. And the thing that I struggle with, generally speaking, is the length of uh, clothing. And I thought, you know what, we'll get, I'll get, go for a double XL just to make sure I've got the right size. And it's like wearing a dress. That's my size, so it fits me fine. But I'm also not six <laughs> ten. <laughs> it's just the the length, the, not just the length, but it was just crazy. So for me, the American size is a little bit getting used to XL. I can get away with. Absolutely yeah. fine. That's not a problem. Just I, I'm just not, never going to go for a double XL ever again. I think. <laughs> um, Kim has just got one of those uh, Durkin jerseys. See, it's not. Ask him if he. I don't know if he got the yellow one or if he got the black one. There's a black one that has a gold like chevron in the middle. Oh, nice. Really, really, that was really really nice. Their away kit from last year, and then their home kit is just. It's a yellow with a blue stripe, and it's always going to pop. So yeah. if you're able to fit one, definitely wear it because people are going to be like, man, that's a great jersey. Where'd you get it? And you can say, oh, man, Chris Durkin, me and I go, me and I go way back. Yeah. You know, you know that American soccer player that's now playing in Europe? Yeah. You used to play for DC United, you know, mm-hmm. Major League Soccer. Yeah. He's got the yellow one. Yeah. Nice. There you Very go. Nice. Yeah, Kim. And let's, let's put it out there. So – to the people who were watching live, what is your favorite jersey that you've got of all time? Um, I'm trying all to think. Time. I'm just trying to think of what mine would be. It's a tricky Stand one. By. I'm looking. I'm looking at my collection right now oh. in the closet, um, or at least part of it. Yeah, because um, I have I have quite a bit. See, my favorite jersey of all time is not a soccer jersey. Oh, okay. It's a Barry Sanders jersey, an authentic one. Yeah. Um, when he, the year that he set, uh, the year that he broke for 2,000 yards in a season. Um, so I have that jersey. Okay. That one will, I don't even wear it anymore. Like when I get a house, something, I'll frame it and hopefully, you know, one day he'll sign it and that'll be something I pass down to somebody. Um, and I also have a replica Barry Sanders jersey that gets worn very often. For soccer, though, I would have to go with the Waldo. The 2012 uh, U.S. Waldo yeah. is the greatest jersey that they've ever put out. It's my favorite jersey of the of the lot. Like I I wear that to matches mostly, 
Um, and even, you know, the AO uh, American Outlaws jerseys that we designed uh, yeah. just now came out. We designed them like the wall, though, because they were so popular. So uh, sure. I now have three, four, five more Waldos that I can have in my collection. Um, and so that one with the Michigan 26 in the back, that one's always special to me. And I always wear that one a lot um, because it just kind of – those are where a lot of the memories – a lot of memories were made in that, in that jersey. So I, I think that is the uh, – that's going to always be the pinnacle for soccer jerseys for me. There's obviously going to be some that m- people may think are, are – have better designs or, or, you know, prettier or better, whatever. Uh, but that one's the one that's my favorite. Uh, I think for me, because I obviously follow obviously DC United, but over here in the UK, I follow, follow Millsborough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the, my favorite ones is probably one of the most garish ones as well. So back in, it would have been the 94-95 season, so going back quite a few years now, the away jersey, which was two shades of green. <laughs> I think I've seen this jersey in pictures before. I haven't seen it in the flesh, but it'll probably be from the days when Jaime Moreno used uh, just a, the season before he signed for us. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, it was not even two nice shades of green. It was like horrible dark green. It was just, but it worked, and it had one of the weirdest sponsors. Uh, it was just from a local company that sold windows. I think it was. It, it was just one of those things that it just brought back fun. Bring well, it still does. It brings back fun memories um, of that time. Um, but if it wasn't the Borough one, there is a, uh, you know, the footballer Peter Crouch. Yeah, I've got one of his. Jer- I've got a jer- England jersey with his name and number on the back of it from okay. England days. So that makes sense. That ties in pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean the fact that I'm taller than him. That, I mean, that's nothing. But you know. You're one of the few people on earth that if you met him, you're like, nice to meet you. And you look down at him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would love to meet him. I, yeah. I, I love his podcast as well. He is just absolutely hilarious. I if haven't you... listened to it, but I hear it's really nice. I hear a lot of people enjoy it, especially people who, you know, he, he played for a lot of teams. So a lot of his, uh, his f- former fans from uh, all those teams will apparently love that podcast. I love John's just coming. Do you know Peter Crouch? Come on, James. We have TV here. Well, you know, he's not. I was about to say he's not the biggest footballer. He clearly is. Oh, he's but pretty in, tall. You can't he's pretty him. tall. Um, but he's not. The, I wouldn't have said he was the most well-known footballer out there. He's not. He likes a Messi or anything like that. But you know, it's nice to know Peter Crouch is down stateside. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was. He played in the Premier League, so you know, most people were probably like, "Oh, Peter Crouch." Like, I know Peter Crouch, and he was, you know. First, first teamer. He was a little young youngster. They're lying to you, but we, <laughs> but we, but we know Peter Crouch. We know a lot of those guys, uh, yep. especially coming up. Especially the thing is, when he's tall, American media will focus on like, see, he's tall. He can play. Why don't basketball players play soccer? <laughs> Get on another rant. <laughs> no. Um, what else have we got on here? So John's favorite jersey is his forward Madison uh, jersey that he bought in the last few months. Um, makes yeah. him sad that it's not a sewn on crest though. Yeah, there's that's the I mean that's the thing with the lower leagues they have the screen print uh, yeah. jerseys, but because of that they're able to take more chances with things, and I think I like that. You know, yeah. some people want the, I, I you know I, there's something to be said for having the the crest that you can feel and touch, right? But yeah, but when it comes to the lower leagues, they don't have that option sometimes, and sometimes they just like, hey, why don't we go bold with our design? And it means they they make everything screen print so that it's sublimated so that they can put it all on there. For Fort Madison, they ain't they ain't missed yet. 
So if they if they need to screen print every every crest on there to do it, keep doing it because they don't miss at all. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of that stuff that they're bringing out, and the whole branding is really on point. I feel. Yeah. Right. So. I think we're coming up to the end. Unless anyone else out there, if you've got any questions, get them in now. Um, but, you know, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Donald, because I know, I mean, this is really the only the second time we've properly spoken because mm-hmm. the first time would have been that um, postponed Toronto game when I was supposed to host that thing that was supposed to happen. And <laughs> the game didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen. I was, I was asked to come back to do it the next day, but I was working. So I couldn't. Yeah. And it was just, oh, it was so frustrating. But um, it's nice to actually catch up with you again. And it's really good to hear another fellow fan. And as you rightly said, a DCU super fan. Um, yeah, I try to be. I mean, there's more, there's more of us out there. And honestly, look, you you get to watch this team in the middle of the night you know you have to do things that we can't we don't we have the luxury of just oh it's it's i can sit down and grab some dinner and grab a beer and and watch the game and you have to sometimes wake up to watch these games so yeah uh, i i commend you for just being such a huge fan and in being a fan enough to watch all these games to talk about it because i know how difficult that is to, <laughs> to be able to watch a game well enough to talk about it and uh, no, this is great. It's been fun to to be on here. I mean, we've been talking for, you know, just about 90 minutes and that yeah. it doesn't seem like it. So, because it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so for the folks out there who are going to be listening to the show later on after we've gone live, um, where can people find you on social media? Uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at BlazinDW, B-L-A-Z-I-N-D-W. Um, I'm very active on Twitter, especially, uh, especially during the day because I ain't got anything else to do during this pandemic. So, uh, so yeah, find me on there, uh, you know, kick it. We'll, we'll talk soccer talk basketball, talk any other sport you want. Um, and yeah, that that's basically where you can find me. Awesome. And also I think we just had a little quick comment on there. That's why I'm looking down here. Uh, you're welcome, John. It's always awesome to do this. Um, he asks you Donald to uh, call into the show sometime. Yeah. would be happy to. Yeah, I'm sure you, you didn't. You call in on one of the a few episodes ago. Yeah, I call in the tried and true. I'm really good. Uh, I'm really That's good friends yeah. with, those, with those guys. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, so I, I'm usually either commenting or sending him a text or something, and and chiming in when when I have the uh, the energy to do so. Uh, it's been a 2020 has been a really messed up year, but uh, it, it's been good to at least take those opportunities to kind of put life aside for a hot minute and watch some soccer with some, some fabulous people in this DCU family that we have. So appreciate you being a part of that. Oh, thank you very much. Um, and for me, if you're not following me on Twitter, how the heck did you find this show? Um, but if you haven't hit me up at DC United Kingdom, uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook as well. So it's at DC United Kingdom FC. There is a website, um, which I'm in the progress of, changing around a little bit so hopefully you'll see some things on there but it's still live in the old style um that's dcnightkingdom.com if you want to join the group just hit up the membership form on there it's free to join and if you want some merchandise because this shirt is no longer available because this was an exclusive shirt for members at the very beginning but there is other stuff out there there is other t-shirts there's stickers now um I'm i'm working on the state side because you can't get them in the states at the moment but we'll get there 
um, just hit the merchandise page over on the website and you'll see everything available. Um, and that's about it, really. And my last, last few words, until next time, Vamos United. <laughs>